Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Providence, Rhode Island. Welcome to the Potterverse. It's a podcast dedicated to the book and film universe of Harry Potter. So grab your favorite wands and time turners. Let's step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Welcome back. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I really cannot believe the lack of cooperation between the magical schools that are in existence. Really? I like they they don't know where each other are. They yep. they like they're protecting their quote unquote secrets. secrets. Yeah. It I'm surprised at this. I thought that there would be more I don't know. Magical like, cooperation. Well, or just even even cooperation. Ooh, okay. You know what I'm saying? I mean, kind of, but like we've only been seeing it through Hogwarts's eyes. True. You know, so maybe if this story took place in Bobaton or through um, um, Durmstrang, then we'd be like, no, don't tell them. Right, right. Don't tell them anything. They're the people who had Voldemort. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Durmstrang, what, technically had Grindelwald, right? Yeah, but still. Yeah. I mean, Grindelwald is, is like Voldemort light. I suppose. Or vice versa. We will discuss yeah. <laughs> at a future date. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm just I'm surprised. I'm surprised that there is just so many I just think about like college rivalries, you know, and all the different pranks that they pull and how just thinking about sports in general, how well, you that's know, different. And so that's what I'm thinking about. Or just if you're trying to have different breakthroughs. Because if you're just trying to teach the kids the basics, like probably their first, second, third years are the same. But if they're trying out new potions or new techniques, maybe they want to, you know, have them be written about or something. I think about, as I said, more collegiate level things that people might be keeping a little bit more quiet. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. But that, and that's why I kind of say cooperation, right? Mm. Because because we don't hear about any co- like magical colleges. So that's how I'm thinking about it is that, you know, you think about the science departments at uh, high level universities who are trying to make big breakthroughs. They want to make the big breakthroughs. Yeah, they want the credit. And that that makes sense to me. So that's that's where I'm at in that. But of course, here we are. We are in chapter 11 of the Goblet of Fire aboard the Hogwarts Express. And I lost my spot that I was going to read. <laughs> uh, my favorite line, the one that made me laugh out okay, loud. Ah, think of the possibilities, said Ron dreamily. It would have been so easy to push Malfoy off a glacier and make it look like an accident. Shame his mother likes him. <laughs> poor, you know, poor, I was going to say poor Malfoy. No. But no, it's actually poor Ron in this chapter. Yes. Ron gets so mad, he breaks a window. Yeah. That is, and that is. That's a lot for for Ron. Yeah, for a 14 year old. And 
more importantly, it really helps foreshadow the kind of stuff that he's going to go through. He's, he goes through a lot of feelings. And it's already showing. Yep. It's already showing. So Here we go. Sets the get, scene. Let's get into it. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. In this here chapter, we learn about Mad-Eye Mooney jinxing some dustbins, how Arthur Weasley has to go take care of this because this is actually stuff that he has to do in his department, which is pretty cool. Mrs. Weasley is left to fend for herself and take all these rugrats back to King's Cross in Muggle Taxis, no last bless her heart. And then, of course, as you said, our beloved trio meets Malfoy. <laughs> Malfoy's the he is the worst, and as small Lucius as, Malfoy is the worst. Well, yeah, Draco that's true. Malfoy is it's just a product of Lucius Malfoy. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's that's fair. Um, as small as this chapter is, it actually does quite a bit of heavy lifting. Yeah, it was funny. You know, we we listened to this chapter in the car together, and Blake goes, "Oh, okay. Well, that was it." And I said, "No, Blake. <laughs> what happens in the beginning?" Is important. Yes. And then it's like, fluff, 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 fluff. Then get to know some more stuff that's important. Right. Uh, and so when I was doing the notes fluff for this. Or okay, when I was doing the notes for this and I was, you know, just going through it again and everything. Uh, I'm looking at it saying, oh, wow. Okay. That's a big deal. Yeah. And yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. And, you know, all the things that are happening right now, kind of a big deal. So. Glad you see it this way. It, it, well, I mean. It took a little digesting. And and this is what's fun about this read-along, is that we have to stop each chapter. Yes. So once again, just imagine what it was like when you first got these books and you're just flipping the pages, flipping the pages, flipping the pages. You miss this. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. let's get to the next thing. Let's mm-hmm. get to the next thing. Yeah, Even rereading sense. it quickly, flipping through the pages, you already know what's going to happen. Sure. But here, we get to sink our teeth into it. Right, so, so let's yeah. get into it. Um, the, the one question that I have, yeah. I guess, is... You know, they talk about Mad Eye Moody and how, Mr. Gray sticks his head through the fireplace. Yeah. And he's eating these uh eating toast. By the way, didn't know that was a thing. Didn't know you could do that. Didn't know you could feed people through the fire? Yeah, did not know that. That is so convenient. That is very convenient. I would do messages like that to people who are good cooks. Be like, hey, what's going on? Got any leftovers? <laughs> uh sure, I'll take some clam chowder. Yeah. <laughs> um No, so they talk about Mad Eye Moody and how he was basically jinxing everything in sight. And there are a couple of things that I find very interesting. Moody, as at least the way that I know him through the film, is extremely damaged and not just as physically, right? But just as a person. Like mm-hmm. there is a lot of what I would consider to be PTSD, right? Like yeah. there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of. He's seen stuff. Yeah. And he, He's battling through that. So, like, it's not just paranoia. It's all of the ugliness that he's been through. And that's because of the first Wizarding War. And that's why he was such a great or. And that's how we caught all those dark wizards. And they say, like, three or half or three quarters of the, the dark wizards that are in mm-hmm. Azkaban. Uh, Azkaban are because of Mad-Eye Moody. Mm. Uh, so I feel for him in in this manner. And I don't know if that is something that is... Um, it's not given enough weight because yeah, it makes you saying. wonder how many times has he been, you know, has an intruder come to his property, whether it was a family member or someone who he put in Azkaban, maybe it was someone who was let off on minor charges. Right. Exactly. He's been through stuff and he's had to have his guard up and he knows 
that there's still bad people, even though like it may not be the, you know, full out wizarding war that it used to be. He knows there's still bad people. And he has these dustbins that are set to alarm him when there's an intruder. It's right. not just that he jinx the dustbins. Like it's pretty much like ADT. You know, you've yeah, got yeah. <laughs> you've got your security <laughs> system and it went off. He knew there was an intruder. The security system went off to show him like, yes, something's happening. And this is trying to uh to to scare him off by firing garbage and everything at him. And um yeah, the police end up showing up. Because that doesn't usually happen. Right. And my, can't blame raccoons on that. My next question, Mary, is when the police do show up and Mad Eye is talking to them, is that actually Mad Eye? Or do you want to. How do you. All right. Because we know the complications that are going to arise because of what happens, the reveal at the end of the book, right? Do you want to approach. Mad Eye through the lens that, that okay, he's Barty Crouch Jr. Yeah, that he's yeah. Barty Crouch, or do you want to approach Mad Eye through the lens that okay, he's the character that we believe he's supposed to be? No, I think right now when when people arrive at the scene, I believe that's already Barty Crouch Jr. Gotcha. So he is purposely leaning into the craziness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, because if they left him. I mean, maybe I need to figure out this timeline a little bit. I feel like it's already Barty. Yeah, and that's no why I'm asking. No matter what, there's no spells, there's no jinxes that are made. So part of me thinks, okay, is that because Barty doesn't have Moody's wand? You know, Barty doesn't have a wand. He had to, you know, have a different wand before. Right. And, you know, so I think that this was already Barty Crouch Jr. Yeah, that would make sense to me. But then how, how did he... That, there's another question. I mean, I, I, and again, I'm not sure if we're supposed to know this because I don't know if it's because it, it's obviously not revealed in the, in the film. But I don't know what happens in the book. Is how did Barty Crouch Jr. get the jump on someone? Barty like, Crouch Jr. is is really sneaky. Yeah, apparently, he's a bad guy. <laughs> how did he get the jump on on Mad Eye, the, the greatest Practice, horror man. alive? Practice. I mean, you know, just you, you set off the ADT and, and all of a sudden you're mad eye, right? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. No, hey, it happens. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I just I like trying to figure out when Barty becomes mad eye. Is this the point when he does? Is it not? And how does he how does he approach this? And my I will say I have not reread this the aspect when Barty Crouch freshes to everything yeah. recently. Um, so I don't know if it goes into detail exactly when in this evening the switcheroo right, happens. Right. My, my, my next question <laughs> for you, Mary, is how do you like the introduction of Mad-Eye in the book as opposed to the film? Or do you like the film better than the book or whatever? Oh, you mean since we're now meeting him through yeah. Arthur and... and th- I think that this is kind of fun because we get to hear about him, you know, oh, that he's a big nutter, you know. So the the film's able to give us a lot of those different things. We feel the music. We see the, the scenery change and the lightning and everything flash and him drinking his little pumpkin juice, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Yep. And he looks creepy, you know. So you can describe the creepiness in the book. And you could describe the weather. But you get so many other sensations from the visual and musical aspects of the movie that I like that it's laid down here. I like that the elder Weasleys are like, oh, yeah, man. He means I know business. that guy, yeah. But he's a little crazy. Yeah, I, I here's uh, here's something that will shock you, Mary. I yeah. like the way that the book sets up Moody better than the film. That doesn't shock me. Uh, because 
there, as you said, there's a better sense of Moody's, um, character, like that he's he's a a legit dude who is scary and has been through some stuff and seen some yes. stuff, and he is not to be trifled with. And not only that, there's this other added layer that we have with since we have the the benefit of the knowledge of the book that there is this n- another layer of okay Barty Crouch and he I need and, to find the exact like moment when Barty says everything sorry because now right. you've got me on this tailspin and, right keep and, going and that's no, why he, I'm like, saying it because he talks about it and he's got Pettigrew with him and that's why I'm saying it's fun to deconstruct because it's it's an interesting layer that upon a reread you get a chance it's, it's like watching uh, Knives Out you know, for the second time, you know exactly who the killer is. You know exactly when it happens, how it happens. And now you're trying to find the clues as to when the story lets you know, okay, it was X. I'm not going to spoil it for people because if they haven't seen it, by the way, go watch it. Ryan Johnson's latest film, The Knives Out. It's oh, it's phenomenal. Um, you're looking for the clues as to when Moody switches, right? And and how that comes about. Uh, really excellent stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm interested in this approach and how the author has done this because this is a lot more of a, a would you say that this is more of a mysterious or um, mystery? Okay, go ahead. Oh, I've got the spot in the book. Okay, go ahead. Go. Oh, okay. Um, you oh, need- oh by, by the way, hashtag spoilers. So, okay. yeah. If- well, I mean, we've already spoiled I know, it. True, good point. Period. It's Barty Crouch Jr., guys. Uh, <laughs> so, it is in chapter 35, Veritas Serum. Wormtail and I did it. We had prepared the polyjuice potion beforehand. We journeyed to his house. Moody put up a struggle. There was a commotion. We managed to subdue him just in time, forced him into a compartment of his own magical trunk, took some of his hair and added it to the potion. I drank it. I became Moody's double. I took his leg and his eye. I was ready to face Arthur Weasley when he arrived to sort out the muggles who had heard a disturbance. I made the dustbins move around the yard. I told Arthur Weasley I had heard intruders in my yard who had set off the dustbins. Then I packed up Moody's clothes and the dark detectors, put them in the trunk with Moody and set off for Hogwarts. Got it. Okay. Excellent. So it was definitely Barty Crouch then that spoke to everybody. And it was Barty Crouch even before the dustbins and everything. Yes. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Good find, Mary. You're welcome. So do you find that this is more of a a mystery-driven plot than the other books? Or do you think that there is... Like, the the only thing I would maybe say is as mysterious, if you will, would be... Like, in purposely mysterious would be the Chamber of Secrets. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you're, you, this whole time you're trying, it's a whodunit. You know, who's going to put Harry's name inside the Goblet of Fire? So what is interesting is even though we get that Moody is a nutter, you are getting this instant connection that he is so important to Arthur Weasley that Arthur Weasley is going to go clean up his mess, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively. Arthur Weasley is our dad in this series. Arthur Weasley is the man that we know, love, and trust that that told Harry secrets that he shouldn't have told him. You know, <laughs> like, this is the Weasley. So if the Weasleys stand by Mad-Eye Moody, 
Right. Like, it's one thing if Dumbledore stands by Mad-Eye Muna because Dumbledore stands by Snape and Harry's kind of out on that. But right now... So it's easy not to trust. It's easy to trust Moody, I think, in right now because the Wheezies are, are getting his back. Um, Even though he's a little sloppy. He's like your, he's like your sloppy uncle, you know? The yeah. one who you're like, oh... Hope he doesn't have too much of the pumpkin juice at uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's. I see this as he's got Arthur Weasley's seal of approval, and now he's going to to Hogwarts. So you're going to have the Weasleys having his back and Dumbledore having his back. So it is this whole who done it. Once we find out that Harry's name is in the Goblet of Fire, sure. but it's important once again to start like trickling this in so that that way we don't think it's him. Right. You, you believe mm-hmm. that it, it's someone else. You yeah. Know? Uh, interesting. Very interesting. Um, and there's another layer here too, knowing I think that I like about the story that the book proposes as opposed to the film, which is there's a little bit of a mystery that, okay, what is Mood Eyes? Mood Eyes. Just made that one up, ladies and gents. Uh, what is Mad Eye's purpose? What is he going to do? Why is he so important? What is Amos Diggory trying to accomplish by having Arthur Weasley cover up for him or set up, you know, like these small time charges so that he can come back and do his job? We all know, of course, now that it's, that he's going to teach the defense against the, the dark arts, but. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is this little bit of a mysterious plot point that also happens to coincide with everybody seems to know what's happening at Hogwarts except for our big three. Yes. I like this, too. I like the fact that there is this mysterious plot line of something big is happening at Hogwarts and our trio don't know. And everyone knows. Like, all the adults know. Yeah, like Bill, Charlie. You'd almost think it had already been written in the Daily Prophet, the way that they're just like talking about it. Whereas Molly's like, oh, yeah, have fun. You're probably not coming home for Christmas. It's going to be great. You know, did they make just a deal where Arthur tells everybody, okay, adults, this is the adult Weasley circle of trust. You know, we can't tell the kids. They're going to find out tonight. But, But there's also the fact that the Malfoys know as well and Draco knows. Well, and it leads me to believe, like, if you had any foreign relatives who maybe they had kids who went to Bobatan or Durmstrang, they would have gotten the notification last year. By the way, your kid's going to be abroad next year. Good point. Like, we need to set things in place. We need visas. We need all this kind of stuff. We need you to sign off on it. Otherwise, we need to figure out other arrangements. Or is it only a certain, it's only a certain group of kids who's going to the school? So, you know, if you had any foreign friends at all, you probably knew what was going on, and yet they're just like sheltering these little, you know, the 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 British kids. But so little is known about Durmstrang, and so little is known about Bobaton, at least as it's you know as it seems it's, as, yeah. it's, as it's seen here that you would assume that they don't have foreign friends, like they don't. It's just it's it's pretty remarkable to me that either the trio is just wildly ignorant. Or this is the worst kept secret. They're wildly ignorant because they're 14 years old. (laughs) Good point. Very good point. Right? Good point. 
And here's another like fun. Like the biggest thing in their world was the Quidditch World Cup. They're still talking about it. Yeah. They're still playing with their little action figures. You know, they're Aww. getting ready for school. They're getting ready to, to see their peers again. They're 14. And for any teenagers, preteens, kids who are listening to this, I, this is not a knock on you. I'm just saying, like, are you really caring about loads of things that are happening in different countries right now? Probably not. That are not like dire. Like, obviously, we're going to have a lot of people here who are like, no, I care about, you know, all X, these, Y, and Z yeah, Exactly. But, you know, are you, are you caring about other countries' school competitions? Probably not. I, I would doubt it. Because <laughs> so. you know why? I didn't care. <laughs> exactly. But that's what, exactly. You made my point, Blake. Thank um, you. But there's another great little connection here, too. That And I think this is something that is definitely you have to read into the text to get Ooh, this. Okay. But Arthur cannot hail a wizard trans- transport. He has to use a muggle taxi to get Molly, honey. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, Molly. Well, Arthur's didn't Arthur busy. try? Yeah, didn't Arthur try and Molly couldn't do it? They or, didn't have any extras right now. Well, whatever, doesn't matter. Stats of the nerds. Molly so goes one, into one town. Of them, yeah, one of them tries to get tries to get transportation and they cannot get. Yeah, Arthur wizarding doesn't have transportation, so they have to get muggle transportation. Yes. and I love playing with the idea of why they cannot get wizarding transportation. Ooh. And two things come up for me are, which are the, I think would be the primary reasons why they cannot get wizarding transportation. Tell me. One is that things are still happening because of the Triwizard Tournament, turn, mm-hmm. uh, not the Triwizard, the <sighs> Quidditch World Cup. Mm-hmm. Or things are happening in preparation for the Triwizard Tournament. Mm-hmm. All of the people are being transported. All the government officials, all of the, yeah. all of the, the the necessary support staff, all of the people that like actually really matter to the Triwizarding Tournament mm-hmm. are using the magical transportation. I love that, Blake. I went a totally different route. Okay, go ahead. Arthur just he just cashed in all of his IOU chips to get the top <laughs> box seats at the Quidditch World Cup. Good point. He told Molly, I asked and I couldn't get any cars, but really he didn't because he was kind of embarrassed because he literally, out of all of his department, got the top box seats mm-hmm. at the Quidditch World Cup. He thought, I don't think I'm going to ask for any more favors for a little while. But your <laughs> reasoning is much better. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, like you said, they're still cleaning up the mess. They're still schlepping people to and from. And now they have all this international stuff that they still have to to figure out. So I agree with you on that note. I do love that Molly Weasley trudged into town. Right. <laughs> called the Muggle Taxis. Muggle Taxis show up and they are so confused because here's kids with Owl, yeah. uh, cat, firework <laughs> things going off. It was an absolute disaster. One of the taxi drivers ends up getting hurt right, in the right. process. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm surprised they kept going. And if that was an Uber. Oh, no. Oh, oh my goodness. The reviews on your Uber profile oh. would be so bad. Oh my gosh. There were fireworks. Someone brought yeah. fireworks yeah. into my car. Don't oh. pick up this lady ever again. <laughs> All the kids look the same except for two. <laughs> so then they get to, um, we get back to King's Cross and it's super duper rainy. I yeah. love how just picturing the scenery of, you know, we're so familiar with King's Cross and we're so familiar with going into Hogwarts. So we get yeah. on the train and we get to hear a familiar voice. <sighs> uh, you know, it just stinks. Just like, why doesn't he just, 
go away for a while. Can't that's just, how those kind of kids are. Right? They I just, mean, they never go away. You get to see Neville. You get to see Seamus and Dean Thomas. Yep. And, and they're reliving the Quidditch World Cup, except Neville. His Neville grandma wouldn't let wouldn't, him go. Wouldn't get tickets. Oh, poor so thing. so bad for him. Poor thing. You know she could have afforded it. Well, she could have. Of course she could have. She, pro- she probably didn't want to go, but like, do they not have any cousins or anybody who could have taken Neville? I know. Or just go with a friend. Oh, this is like, this is like when you are 13 or 14 and your friends start to go to concerts. Yeah. Oh, and yes. some of those friends get to go to concerts because they're with their parents and they're, and their parents are cool and they're like, no worries. I'll like sit a couple of rows behind you, you know, <laughs> or I'll just like stay in the parking lot. And then they're the parents who are just like easy breezy and say, yeah. I will drop you off and pick you up up my 13 or 14 year old that will not be me um <laughs> that was me and then there's the parents like mine who said you're 13 or 14 years old no no we're no. not doing that no you can't go to dave matthews band <laughs> Why? you can't here i am 15 years old going to the almond brothers Get a job hippie yeah <laughs> i did go see the almond brothers later and later they let me when i was like 16 or 17 and i actually bought the tickets with my babysitting did you, did money. Did you go to Great Woods? Yeah. We must have been at the same concert. Probably. We must have because I, I went to the Allman Brothers every single year. From I was like there, Blake. 15 through, I don't know, 23, 24. I got to tell you though, some of the concerts that I went to, I was like, good thing my parents didn't let me go. <laughs> what was your first concert ever? It was Dave Matthews. It was? Yeah. What year? I don't know. I think I was, I think I was 16 years old. Oh, wow. Interesting. It took me a while, okay? I had to like save up my babysitting money, prove to them I was worthy of being able to You see, go it's to it's unfair for me too because I lived I lived in the same town as Great Woods. And Great Woods for all of you who don't live in this area, that's like the main concert yeah. venue aside from It's not uh, even called that anymore. Though, yeah, no, it's yes. called like the Comcast whatever, who knows. Uh the but Xfinity it's the Center. Con- it's, but the it's the main concert, concert venue, venue that's for outdoors. Right. And it's the main one except for the, the TD Garden, right? Up in Boston. But that's indoors. But that's indoors. So when when concerts come through New England, they'll say Boston Mass, but it's really not. It's Mansfield Mass, and it's this outdoor venue. And that was as I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. So Good. That's, that's awesome. The, the end. But that's how I felt. I felt like Neville's gran was my parents and just said, no, you're too young, and yeah. I can't, I'm not going. I'm not going to the Quidditch World Cup. Right. I got better <laughs> things to do. Knitting club. Um, and there's nobody to take you. Oh, but mom, maybe I could go with my friend Ron. No. <laughs> Absolutely that not. That woman with a million kids, she'll lose you. <laughs> I heard she even lost Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so they're on the Hogwarts Express, as I said, catching up with their good buds. Neville's just like living vicariously through them. There's also one other thing I wanted to mention, too, that yeah. you actually highlighted, Mary, is that the feeling that you get, like... It's not gone is the magic of platform nine and three quarters, but it's beca- it's certainly become a little bit more mundane. Like Harry is just leaning against the wall and just casually slips through as opposed to running at it, running charging. at it and doing the whole thing or taking a Ford Anglia because you can't go through it. And then there's the whole other layer here that happens too, which is Harry, Ron, Hermione, everybody's is, is running through the rain mm-hmm. to get to you know, through King's Cross. And I just, I find that a really great expressive thing. Uh, it also kind of foreshadows 
what's going to happen later on in the book that not all is swell and peachy. You, you are going to be you're going to be trudging through be some ugliness, year. and it, that rain is what's beginning setting the that, tone. Yeah, it's setting that tone. Yeah, I really like that a lot. I deep, deep. I just took it as oh, as much as I daydream that I want to go to London and to England and to Scotland, I need to remember that it's going to be rainy a lot of the time <laughs> when I do go. That's right. how I was taking it. it. Was like remember, Mary, it's not all peachy keen. Uh, but it is. It's those feels. And here we are recording it. It is technically August 8th. Back to school season is here in the United States yes. for many places, particularly in the South. A lot of kids are going back to school, I think, this week and even next week. Some people are already in school. Oh, Our kids this year go back to school on September 1st. And they remarked, the same day as Harry Potter. <laughs> because Harry Potter goes back to school on September 1st every year. Doesn't matter which day of the week it is. Yes, that's which it. Which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Like just knowing that September 1st is your, that's your deal. It's your day. That's your day. And you get in there and maybe you start off and you get a weekend. You just get to like hang out, practice some Quidditch, eat in the yep. Great Hall, get situated. Or if it's like most years, you wake up. Eat classes start the very next day. Right. Um, so in we get this this incident with Malfoy, who comes in just bragging Mr. Know it all. We already had it from all the all the wheezies. Even Charlie, as he's leaving, is saying, Oh, I'm gonna see you again soon. And Bill says, Oh yeah, I might try to get some time off from work so yeah. I can come in. And we of course know that Charlie's gonna come in right. because of the dragons. Right. Bill wants to just come in because why not? Because he's Bill and he it, wants to show up and see everything. You know, it's funny. Uh, for, for quite a long time, I thought, why are these guys so jealous? Doesn't it happen like every three years? Isn't there a rotation that, you know, isn't it like the Olympics? Like, you know, right. it's going to happen, but really they had taken a huge break with this. Right. And I think it's either in this chapter or it might be the next chapter where Dumbledore goes over, you know, things were so difficult, so many deaths and it was so dangerous that we had to take a massive time out from the Triwizard Tournament. Right. And now we're unveiling it again, to which it probably happens never again. After, after this year. After said. Yeah. They were yeah. like, it got bad. And then it, then it got real bad. Then Voldemort bad. came back. <laughs> so let's never do that again. <laughs> let's rethink this process. <laughs> Maybe we should just join the Muggle Olympics and call it a day. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Speaking of Olympics, yep. we were watching rhythmic gymnastics. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Oh, With my goodness. Blake didn't know this existed. And Did I said, generally, like... Because the U.S. never had a team for rhythmic gymnastics, this wasn't necessarily a sport that was highlighted in our covered news. And now that we have the NBC Sports app, we can watch any sport, anytime, whatever we want to do. There's 7,000 hours of oh Olympic coverage. And I was like, Blake, I'm going to blow your mind. And I put on rhythmic gymnastics. Girls throw in hula hoops, and balls, clubs. and clubs. And they're like... You know, doing cartwheels in between, throwing the hula hoops with their toes. I mean, there is some really cool stuff going on. <laughs> Nonsense. Bulgaria is one of the teams that has a really, really I good know. team. I know. I think I think they win the gold. I think they did. <laughs> <laughs> and I was watching with the kids and they were like, did they just say Bulgaria? I said, Victor Crumb. <laughs> <laughs> just nonsense. Throwing. I mean, like, like I don't want to minimize what they're doing. No, it I is certainly could not do it. Incredible athleticism. Yeah, like I could not do it. But just nonsense. Just like, how did this become an Olympic it's sport? It's nonsense because we don't see it here in the U.S. <laughs> Girls throwing hula hoops and then Clubs catching it with their toes and, and throwing it with their toes. The ball and they're putting it on their shoulder. It was like, ama- it's amazing. What are we doing? You Maybe know? think of Aladdin when he like has the apple go off his shoulder and he pops right. it with his elbow. It's like that, but Olympics. 
<laughs> okay, so here we are. We're back. We're with Malfoy talking about Durmstrang, wishing he could have gone, except his mummy likes him too much. And he says, I could have gone because the headmaster at Durmstrang is close with my dad. Right. We know this because Lucius Malfoy and Karkaroff, Igor Karkaroff, were uh, Death, Death Eaters, Eaters together. Yes, that's how they know of each other. Of course, they're besties. Yep. Why wouldn't Lucius, uh, why wouldn't Draco Malfoy's mom send him? Well, I mean, the text suggests that it's because it's too far away. Yeah. I, and I think, I think Narcissa leans a little out of the dark side. You know, we see her in later books lie to Voldemort about yes. Harry being dead. Um, you know, I, I think that Narcissa isn't, isn't as bad as Lucius. I would agree. She's not fully bought in. Yeah. Like, I don't, that was her excuse to Lucius that Draco would be too far away, but I don't think she wants him being taught by Igor Kakarov. Yeah. And the fact, and, and listen, there's no coincidence that the book and the text right here is suggesting that they're they're leaning into they're teaching dark arts not yes. defense against the dark arts but just like actual dark arts so and here like we that are is, yeah. that's a big deal and and this becomes like one our i think the biggest red herring for who who done it who put harry's name in the right. goblet of fire right. so we're learning this person's close with lucius malfoy we don't yet learn that he used to be a death eater but you learn that the school loves the dark arts. Right. So you can just kind of put one and one together and bada bing. I, I love, I love also too, there was this scene between Ron and Hermione where she's like, you know, you would know, uh, if, if, uh, whoever read the book, yeah. you, they would know yeah. that the school's hidden and Ron's like, yeah, okay, so only you. <laughs> <laughs> just the, these great little bits yes. that the author puts in there. There's just little, little, little hits. Speaking of a little hit, uh, I just want to kind of wrap this chapter up with what you were saying about Ron. We have known since day one, Ron Weasley, the Weasley family, they don't have a lot of money. And sadly, in Hogwarts, through Draco Malfoy's eyes, he's able to bully Ron about this since right. day one, you know? Yep, yep. Red hair, hand-me-down robes. <laughs> must be Weasley. <laughs> you know, from day one. Yep. That's been something he's been able to pick on him about. Uh, Ron, of course, isn't like the most amazing at sports. Yes, he does eventually make the team, but he's not like a Harry Potter. He right. is, he's not Harry freaking Potter. No, okay? no. Yeah, hold on. I, I got that here too somewhere. Where is it? I, You know, someone touched my board. Here it is. I'm Harry He's not the smartest. He's just the random middle kid out of like a bajillion boys that his mom kind of wished he was a girl. Not really. It's but you know. <laughs> so this this is going to be a lot for him. This is going to be a heavy year for him. He is 14. Yes. He's got all the hormones raging. He wants to be special. He wants to stand out. He wants money. Mm-hmm. He now knows he has to wear these disgusting dress robes and of course Draco Malfoy sees it. So when we hear that the Trivising Tournament has a cash prize, when we hear the fame and glory, this has Ron Weasley written all over it. This is going to be my chance. I can finally do something. Yes. And, and Malfoy even plugs him on that one a little bit, too. Yes. Like, yeah, of course you're going to want to sign up because you didn't get some money. Maybe mm-hmm. you get yourself actually something nice. Mm-hmm. And I, and the the setup here with the, the slamming the door and breaking the window and even Hermione being like, Ron, what are you doing? And... Because I know you've been there. I've certainly been there where you're just so frustrated and you you do something that... I broke an iPad. Yes. I didn't know it was there. Uh, I, w- I hit my bed and I didn't know the iPad was under the blanket. Uh, I didn't know. I wouldn't have purposely okay. broke an iPad. Well, anyway, so but we've all been there where we've done something and out of frustration. You didn't mean 
to have the result of whatever happened, but you did it and you're like, oh. I really could have used Reparo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our credit card could yeah. have used Reparo yes. after that incident. Yes. Um, it was a, over a decade ago. We're okay. That, that, and that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. That, but it's that sucked because it was a first generation iPad. Now that thing's probably worth like a billion dollars. Oh, well. So the kids get <laughs> off. They say a little hello to Hagrid. It is an absolute downpour. The rain was now coming down so thick and fast that it could have, it was as though buckets of ice cold water were being emptied repeatedly over their heads. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't fancy crossing the lake in this weather, said Hermione fervently, shivering as they inch slowly along the dark platform with the rest of the crowd. A hundred horseless carriages stood waiting for them outside the station. And I just love that because... Once again, the author, I'm just going to put this here, Right. horseless carriages, as we're going to see, once again, getting off of the Hogwarts Express next year, they will not be horseless carriages. They will have Thestrals. So I just love this little bit as like a little thing. Okay, we're used to this. I'm going to take it and actually show you that there's been something there that you didn't know all along in this magical world. Right. Absolutely. Great, great little, great little drops Mm -hmm. into the story that are existing. All right, anything else you got to say about this uh, chapter, Marvin? That's it. All right, ready for the different perspective? Okay. All right, here we go. Ready? Let's let's spin the board. Who yeah. do we got? Holy cricket, you're Harry Potter. I'm Hermione Granger. And you are? Amos Diggory. Amos! <laughs> I love my job. Why, well, why wouldn't you? Okay, so all these muggles this year, uh-huh. they now know what my job's like. <laughs> <laughs> because there was this panini going on, you mm-hmm. know, the Rona panini. And um the so Patricia. Every, yeah, the Patricia. <laughs> so everybody stayed home and they were working on these little rectangle things with just their faces. Oh yeah. And they were like, I don't have to wear pants. <laughs> I haven't worn pants to the work in a decade. I am the king of flu powder check-ins. <laughs> Best part? Yeah. I haven't paid for breakfast in a decade either. Oh, oh winner, winner, breakfast for dinner. <laughs> Telling you, just showing on up because I'm kind of like the man. I'm the man for my well, little yeah, department. Why wouldn't you be? So I'm, I'm, you know, I just, I shelve out assignments. Okay. Oh, we got something going on. All right. That goes to Arthur. Another thing going on. That goes to Betty. You know, I just pop in their little flu network. Yeah. Not Bertha. Bertha ain't taking anything anymore. Listen, okay. We figure anything out with Bertha I, yet? I wouldn't have given her anything anyway. <laughs> How come? She's little loopy. <laughs> little loopy. Oh man, don't gone, want her. Gone missing. And her food's terrible. I don't. I, oh. Nope. Nope. Just you don't. Know, I, that's always somebody burning else's the problem. bread. Always, always burning the bread. Always. Every single. I heard. You know, or she would offer me coffee. You can't slurp. You can't slurp through the flu powder. It hurts. Okay? It's an insert. Chew. Goodbye. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You know, I heard also too. She uses that sugar-free jam. Like, get out of here. Nobody wants the sugar-free jam. I do. I'm trying to watch my figure. Why do you think I hide in the food powder? <laughs> <laughs> the end. And oh, good job. All Thank right. You. Excellent job. That was a difficult that one, But you know what? That was, that there was good. There were a lot of people. You had a lot of fun with that one. Okay. We, we, you talked about sugar-free jam. Yeah. You know, bur- okay. burning bread. Poor Bertha. I- 
We're worth it. I'm in. Let's do it. Okay. All right. You ready for some emails? I do. Okay, I everybody. Am. As always, if you want to email Mary and I, and if you have a question or comment or concern uh, or anything that you think that is appropriate for uh, this chapter or next chapter or any of the other chapters that have been discussed so far, send an email to maryandblakemedia at gmail.com or get in touch with us uh, through the social media platforms. Just look up Mary and Blake. It is there. It's ready to go, except for TikTok, because TikTok is ruining America. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. We are on TikTok. Don't listen to Blake. It's Mar- Mary is on TikTok. Yes. And taking I, care of Mary I and video Blake. you. Yeah, that's the worst. Stop it. What are you talking about? <laughs> Just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So we got an email here. This one. Oh, yeah, actually, I got to play the play the sound. Hold on. Oh, Miles head. All right. So this one comes from John. He says, big fan of the Podiverse podcast. You both have talked a lot about underage magic. Mm. All magical children have the trace, capital T, on them. Although it is unclear how they get the trace or when. The trace acts as a magical radar, which alerts the ministry to any magic done in the proximity of the underage child. For Harry and Hermione and other magical children who only live around muggles, the ministry automatically assumes the underage child did the illegal magic, since there are no other people capable of foreign magic in the area and punishes them for it. Hence, Harry being blamed for Dobby's hover charm and again for his Patronus because the ministry doesn't have the registered wizards in the area since Mrs. Fig is a squib. The issue with is with underage children living with magical adults. The trace goes off all the time, and since it could just be as uh, well be just as well be adults performing illegal magic as underage children performing illegal magic, the ministry makes it the parents' responsibility to punish the underage children for illegal magic. Although, if there were a significant threat to the statute of secrecy, it would be different. I'm sure. This is why Fred and George don't get punished for experimenting at home in Hermione doesn't get in trouble for performing magic in the woods since there are other wizards and magic in the area interfering with Mm -hmm. the trace. Thank you for the awesome podcast, John. Thank you, John. Yes, absolutely. And it does. It totally makes sense. It's like, eh, they're in a magical family. It was probably somebody else. Um, so there's, a, there's another email here from Teresa. She kind of goes into it as well. It's slightly different, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll read it. Okay. Hey, Mary Blake. Uh, my name is Teresa. I'm a long time listener, but I have never written. Also, I also listen to Outlander cast. Thank you. This Thanks, is us Teresa. too. Thank you. And rise up. Thank you. And I also just joined the hashtag nerd clan. <gasps> Yay. Thank you. By the way, everybody, if you want to join the nerd clan, just like Teresa, you can go to www.jointhenerdclan.com where you get all great perks and fun stuff that goes on there. Uh, Teresa continues. Also, I work as an event and travel coordinator. So if you ever want to plan an Outlander cast trip to Scotland, let me know. Yes. Teresa, we will actually be in touch about this because this is something I think we want to do. We'll see. I don't know. Anyway, I grew up reading Harry Potter. Gotta get through the Patricia first. Uh, Yeah, I know. I started, I started the books in the first grade and was a senior in high school when the last movie came out. So I kind of grew up alongside all the characters, which was special. So regarding the discussion of chapter nine, you both discussed the rules surrounding underage magic. In in book six, Dumbledore actually explains it to Harry. The Ministry of Magic can only detect where magic was used, not who used it. 
This is why Harry gets blamed for Dobby's magic in the second book. So technically, wizard families are expected to be responsible for their children not doing magic because the ministry cannot tell who performed the spell well without examining the wand, of course. So when Hermione did the spell in the woods, no one would be able to trace it to her as there are many wizards around. Now the only time I can think this is contradicted is in the first book. When we first meet Hermione in both the movies and in the book, she criticizes Ron's spell on the train and says that she practiced a couple of spells over the summer and they all worked for her. Now, because she lives in Muggle household, the Ministry should have been able to detect this. Maybe it's because she was young and untrained yet, but many wizards, uh, young wizards, are unable to control their magic, so they may not enforce this until after Mm. they begin school. Also, you asked why the Ministry didn't make a big deal when Barty Crouch Jr. escaped. Well, they don't know that he escaped. Very, It's a very, very small spoiler, but they do say later in the book that he traded places in Azkaban with his mother. The Dementors felt two souls... Huh? Yeah. What? What are you whispering? Yeah. It's kind of (laughs) like... No, do you remember? <laughs> just whispering <laughs> random stuff. Why are you whispering I'm dead? I'm thinking of the guy from Count of Monte Cristo <laughs> with the dead guy. I'm trying to butt into you, Blake, but you're like on a on a roll, so I'm whispering. Dead. <laughs> do you remember the dead guy? Okay, that's in Count not of creepy, Cristo? Mary. <laughs> do you remember dead. the count? Blake, do you remember the guy from the Count of Monte Cristo? And he trades place with the dead guy yes, yes. to get out. Yes like that <laughs> i still don't know why you're just whispering dead it's like the dead guy oh uh, then she dies in azkaban and, and is buried making people think that barty crouch jr is dead hope that explains things a little can you say those words again blake dead, <laughs> dead. you're welcome <laughs> oh she says if your children ever get upset about being muggles again tell them that they have love and according to Dumbledore, that is the strongest magic of oh, all. Oh, I love it. All right, Marvin, that is it. Are you ready to yes. uh, close this bad boy sure out? Sure am. Let's do it. You just don't know about Mrs. Crouch because you haven't read this book yet. No, I don't. But it's still it's still weird that you're just creepily whispering into the microphone. Maybe I'm just trying to like subconsciously let you know about things that you don't know about. <laughs> Mom. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, well, on this note, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, it's been brought to you. Thanks to our friends at jointhenerdclan.com. If you have not yet become a member, and if we bring you some Lumos in the time of Knox, you can honestly join for as little as $2 a month. This is my full-time job. This is how we, you know... Support our family, pay the bills, and most importantly, run our media company, uh, the website, the equipment, everything like that is all thanks to our support. Uh, it's literally like PBS, <laughs> supported by listeners like you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who are members. And if you're not a member yet, please think about joining today. Join the nerdclan.com. And go to maryandblake.com also where you can get all the podcasts that we're doing, whether it is OutlanderCast or This Is Us to all the other shows that have been mentioned by Teresa earlier, uh, as well as the MCU Diaries, which we just concluded, Loki, which we were very excited about that. Yes, on that note, my name is Mary. And I'm dead. Ooh, mischief managed. (laughs) 